Hello. Oh, hey, Will. How's it going? Good. How are you, Steph? Just great. Just great. So, how was uh, the tale from the far, far east or west? How was the tale? How, how is, is life tale? in the uh, in the Republic of China? <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty crazy. But you know, I'm sorry, I didn't even notice we have the same birthday. Yeah, actually. I noticed that a long time ago, and then I uh, forgot to mention it to you, but yeah. Cool. I'm not even going to tell you how old I was when you were born, but anyway, <laughs> my good ear. Yeah, so how's it going over there? Um, it's fun. Was that Christina? Tell her I said uh, hi. Yeah, we're all here. Uh, we're, uh, we're sitting around waiting for fantastical tales of uh, magic and dragons and uh, monkeys. There's not, there's none of that really. There's fireworks. When we got here, it was like, it was uh, their spring festival, the New Year. So every day, like morning through all night, there was fireworks going off. It was ridiculous. But um, it's cool. I mean, I don't know. It's. Uh, have you read any of the blog that I've been keeping? Sadly, no, uh, I haven't, uh, though I've been meaning to, because um, I know you have a blog, but I haven't had a chance to get updated, so feel, assume I have no news. Okay, yeah, it's uh, Chinarchy. Um, it's good, it's like uh, a lot of the stuff that I ended up writing about on there, which I wasn't planning on writing so much about, was teaching, because I'm teaching like 17 five-year-olds. And uh, that's probably the craziest part of all of the stuff that I've been doing here. That is uh, that is intense. Yeah, I, uh, I have uh, much greater respect, I think, for uh, I don't know teachers. I guess good teachers, teachers that I remember from high school that are in uh, elementary school that were not like assholes, because it's it can be really really stressful. Oh, especially that. That's a, I mean, that's a pretty extreme group. Yeah, they're, uh, I mean, all the kids are awesome. I like, I'm friends with all of them. And uh, they're the only reason why it's so much fun to go to work every day. Well, but, they're enormously lucky, I think, to have you as a teacher. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, I was actually gonna, I was actually gonna email you a long time ago, when I first got here, because I have assistants and stuff, and they kept telling me that, like, I was almost kind of going to make it worse for them by not having strict classroom rules and, you know, not, like, getting mad at them for, for talking during class and or, or not because sitting still. Because that's not going to happen in their culture as a whole, right? <clears throat> right, and they have to go from kindergarten to primary school, and they said the teachers there are, like, you know, strict, author uh, uh, totally authoritarian tyrants and uh so i didn't really know what to do about that i mean I no look like, it's, a, it's a tough question and uh, i mean we've certainly thought about that here quite a bit i mean raising uh izzy as uh you know a, a non-threatened free thinker is tough because she's not going to meet that as much nearly as much in society but uh, but what's the i mean what, what are the only other options to traumatize people uh, for the sake of the fact that they might be traumatized later uh, I just, I just, yeah, can't just start treating them poorly. Yeah, I, 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 just, I just can't participate in that. And there is always going to be discomfort when it comes to social change. Uh, there, there has to be. It's inevitable. And uh, you know, the only other choice is to, to reject social change and just continue to re-inflict harm on the young. And no matter what happens, that just can't be the right path, if that makes any sense. Right. No, it does. And uh, there's, I think a lot of these kids will have some outs anyway because the school I work at is 
pretty well off. All the parents are pretty rich and a lot of them are probably going to end up going to schools in America. Not like they're that much better, but well, they certainly would be better tell, than the local better. ones, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Everything I hear about Chinese schools is that they're pretty, I guess kids learn more as far as like, uh, you know, math or specific topics, but they're all, it's like military. Basically the schools are pretty more military than, you know, us schools. Well, yeah, and that's because the parenting is pretty military too, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's military and it's super, super overbearing. And I think it's, uh, that's, I think it was the result of the one-child policy. Because every you, All your eggs are like, like in one basket thing? Right, yeah. So much pressure and so much like everything is riding on this kid. Uh, and so, those, and uh, those my cultures, kids tell me uh, like... The Eastern cultures seem to put a lot of focus on the social status of successful kids, and that puts a lot of pressure down on the kids, I think. Yeah, that's what it's all. It's They tell me about the stuff they do on the weekends, and it's like, oh, mom planned for me to, like, I had tennis instruction, swimming lessons, had English lessons, and then I had this, and did you, did you play at all on the weekend? We have no word for that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I didn't really have anything specific I want to talk to you about. I just wanted to, you know, I hadn't heard from you in a while. Well, I mean, if uh, I'd just like to, if you could, like I'll turn my microphone off. We're going to give Izzy, Izzy some food. If you could just tell us, I guess, your, your thoughts, your impressions, your experiences, have, have a nice ju I juicy monologue. That Miller. I don't think you heard from him. Hey, sorry about that. No um, problem. Yeah, so if, if you could, um, I've got to give Izzy some food. If I could turn my microphone off and you could just give give us all a nice juicy monologue on your thoughts and experiences, that would be really cool for me. Yeah, sure. Um, that's yeah. If that's uh, so, I was saying that I came with Brett Miller, who was one of my college roommates at now, and he was always kind of like into libertarianism, into philosophy, and then. Uh, like a year after school, after, you know, getting really into it and going to the barbecue and all that stuff, I kind of like had the talk with him and he was like, you know, the one in a million instant. He was like, okay, I'm down with all this stuff. So, you know, the whole thing, therapy, self-knowledge, psychology, let's, let's do it all. And uh, so he came with with me, he we were about going half Chinese. We'd actually talked about going while we were still in school because we couldn't find jobs, and so we were like, oh, oh, you know, job for a year and all those guys. But uh, Brett and I just kept talking about how you know it would be fun before like trying to get real careers or real jobs or whatever it is that we're doing. And uh, it would be fun to go travel and the teaching English thing an option. So we started working on it last summer, finding out about it, going to different agencies and all of that stuff. And finally got offered jobs in December to leave end of February. And that's, so that's what we did. And uh, we got here at the end of February, and it was kind of like 
we, we had like a, we have a Chinese hospitals, and, which are I, I listened to your one video about it. Chinese hospitals are actually pretty legit. I mean, I don't know. They know that you're a foreigner when you go into so you get treated a little bit differently, but they're like cheap and you go into like one big room with all these little rooms off of it. And you get like every test you need done in like 15 minutes. You just go room, 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 and you're done. You're like x-ray, blood tests, you know, urine tests, uh, blood pressure tests, done for like yeah, 50 bucks. Uh, so that was cool. And uh, what's I oh, so we were rushed around and like the police station registers a foreigner and get working visas and all this stuff. And then they kind of just stuck us at different schools. And so he's at, he's at a different school. It's like an hour away from what our apartment. And then we just started teaching and hanging out with the other teachers, some of which are really cool. Some are weird, like, I don't know. Like, I can't really, some of the people that came here, I don't understand why they came here, but, and they don't even like kids or teaching or it's weird, but there are a lot of cool people. And so we hang out with them and travel. I was at the Great Wall last weekend. And uh, that's, that's, it's all really awesome. The Chinese people are kind of weird. <laughs> um, the, I'm sure you've heard about like the saving face thing. It's so annoying because nobody will ever be upfront with you about anything, especially like our contracting agency, anybody you're involved with in business. They're so like, I don't know, especially if they can't do something. They never like under promise and over deliver. They're always like telling you they can do everything. They'll take care of everything. Everything will be fine. And it's like, you know, it's like a politician. You're like, there's no way that you guys can actually do all of these things. And then when it finally doesn't work out, they have all these excuses why and don't want to talk about it. And, but yeah, so you kind of have to are constantly like filtering bullshit whenever you're talking to anyone involved in Chinese businesses, but uh, yeah, so I don't know where to go from here. <laughs> you guys are still there, right? Well, you certainly are. Um, well, I mean, how is it relative to your expectations? Uh, how long are you going to be there? What's the long-term plan? Uh, uh, have you made friends uh, in the Chinese community? How's your Mandarin coming along? Go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, relative to my expectations, I, I like it a lot. I thought it would be more third world-ish, I guess. And it, it isn't. I don't know. It isn't, but there's things about it that, that like are really third worldish, and they cause like, you know, all kinds of cognitive dissonance when you're walking around and there's a huge, beautiful architecture skyscrapers, and then, like, guys building on them with bamboo scaffolding who look homeless, and, and you know, and you hear that like you know the people that are going to be working in this building make like you know, average of like a hundred, hundred dollars a year. And the guys building it make like 50 cents a day or something ridiculous, especially in Beijing because Beijing and Shanghai, because they're like the biggest, most businessy city areas in China, if you don't count Hong Kong. And uh, so it's like, it's like a weird combination of first world and third world, but I thought it would be worse than it was. It's I, it's I think Beijing is a really cool city. And uh, let's see, what did you ask next? How long is I going to be here? My contract's only for a year. And I told myself I wouldn't consider what I was going to do next until at least six months. So I could, like, I wouldn't think, you know, renegotiate a contract or do anything until 
I'd been here for half a year and knew if I liked it and all that stuff. And I don't know. I don't think I could keep keep doing it for a year. I might be able to live here for more than a year, but teaching, I don't know. It kind of, I, I can kind of understand. I mean, it sounds terrible, but I kind of understand the like old grizzled teachers that hate everything about teaching because I just feel like I would be beaten down, not from the kids, from like the administration and from just, I don't know. I feel like I would be beaten down into like, being disgruntled and old way too fast if I stayed as a teacher. Well, I think that's so. Can you talk a bit more about that? What, what aspects do you think would, uh, would grind you down? Because I think it's a very interesting question. Okay, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I can talk about this forever. It's pretty much the, the administration and the constant – I mean, this is like, like when, whenever I journal about teaching, this is the thing I write about because – uh, it's this feeling of being set against the kids every time you have to do something. And it's not their fault because they just want to, you know, they're kids. And, uh, but like, you know, you have these administrators that are all over you about teaching them the most ridiculous things that just don't mean anything. And like this month is multiculturalism month. And if that wasn't bad enough, all, all they want us to teach them for multiculturalism is like, uh, the various flavors of nationalism. It's like, teach them the Chinese flag, teach them the United States flag, teach them the Venezuelan flag, teach them the Australian flag, and teach them the Australian oh, Lord. national bird and national flower. And I was like, you know, it's about annoying. the national it philosophies, but that doesn't go very well, right? That's like teaching someone from a monotheism <clears throat> about other religions. It tends to break the hold, right? It's like these totally watered down, you know, their national bird, like that has anything to do with culture or, you know, anything. It, uh, but I am doing some stuff like uh, this week, I'm doing uh, inventions from Jap inventions in science from Japan, which they never approved, but I'm just going to do it because I just, uh, I end up doing things like that all the time. But th that's actually like, that's something that they'll all be into. I'll have pictures of robots and ninjas and other stuff from Japan. But uh, it's yeah, it's all that stuff is like it's just you just feel like you are forced to oppose the kids all the time. Like, OK, I know you guys are going to hate this. We have to sit down and we have to practice memorizing what countries these flags go with. For, you know, 40 minutes, and I make games out of it and I try, you know, all kinds of different stuff to do it. But it's still like, you know, they don't want to sit there. They don't want to learn about these flags. And okay, maybe for like five minutes and they'll be like, okay, yeah, what do we, you know, great. We know this. Or we just don't care. And then they, you know, talk to each other or start playing other games or something. And then the assistants, I have like Chinese assistants in the room that speak Chinese and that help me translate. Uh, then they all get upset that, you know, oh, my class is out of control and the kids aren't learning and they're just afraid they're going to get in trouble because they have like some of the best jobs that they can get in Beijing for, you know, a semi-fluent uh, Chinese person, semi-fluent in English Chinese person. Yeah, beats swarming and, around on bamboo scaffolding, right? Yeah, yeah. And they don't want to get fired, you know, because if one of the, the headmaster or the, one of the administrators comes in and sees the class is going crazy, they don't really yell at the English teachers. We kind of get away with whatever we want. They yell at the assistants. And then the assistants kind of just take it out by being bitchy and passive aggressive on the 
teachers, you know, to make it, you know, why aren't you disciplining them? Why aren't you in control? You know, they have to be sitting down, they have to be doing this. And, and then, so you're just stressed the whole day because you kind of just want to be hanging out with the kids and, you know, not yelling at them or disciplining them or, which I don't do any of that stuff. And, uh, my assistants have finally kind of like gotten it that I'm not going to, you know, ever yell at a kid, ever be mean to a kid, ever do any of that stuff. But, um, but that causes yeah, so, a lot of stress, right? Because that's countercultural, and it also probably brings up a lot of anxiety uh, in in the minds of the assistants, right? Because you're taking a different path from what they experienced, and they can't contradict you. So, yeah, I can see how that could be stressful. You should have seen that. Uh, one day, I sat one of my assistants down, Vivian, who is she's. I, I wouldn't have done some of the assistants also. God, this will get me going, but uh, they do this stuff that is so like not okay, but like sleazy, slimy, the way that they like mess with kids. Like, uh, like someone will be talking or do something they don't want and they like grab them really hard, like to scare them, but then like turn it into a hug or turn it into a tickle. And, uh, like I, I see it and I see like that, obviously like, you know, grabbing and shaking the kid and they look angry they're mad, scares the kid, but then they like cover it up. Like, Oh, you know, I'm just playing with, them just, uh, yeah, you know, I'm just like, you know, trying to get his attention. Right. But it's so like, I don't know. And they're just, they just, there's a lot of these systems are just not very nice. Uh, and they do it in, you know, it's just like the way they'll say things to the kids or the way they'll, and it's stuff that the headmaster would never think. Like if I went there and was like, Oh, uh, she was holding one of the kids' wrists really tight, really tightly. You know, Kathy was holding one of the kids' wrists really tightly. The headmaster would just be like, okay, go back to teaching, please, which sucks. Um, but it would be kind of weird. I mean, it would be kind of weird if the kids were treated really nicely and this was the society that developed. So, I mean, I hate to say it, right? But it would, it, it would be no, it's, completely strange if, if it weren't the case. I mean, not saying that makes it easier to watch, but but it certainly is in accordance with the general theory. No, I, uh, uh, no, I totally, yeah, no, I know. I, I mean, it's shocking to see, but I can't ever say that I'm surprised. Um, so there's stuff like, and oh, so what I was saying, oh yeah, I sat down one of my, one of my assistants, Vivian one day and actually tried to explain to her, you know, like stuff from the bomb in the brain series of like, okay, the kid is going to get a, you know, a rush of cortisol to his brain when you yell at him. Sorry, I have a Chinese DSL. So this oh, is no problem at all. No problem at all. Sorry, you were just talking about the rush of blood. Of, oh, sorry, the rush of cortisol to the brain, and and uh, how did it react? No, I was just I was trying to explain that to them. Like you know, it'll change the kid the way the kid's brain grows, and that's why it's wrong to do. And uh, I don't know. She was like, "Oh, how do you know so much stuff about this?" I was like, "Oh, I have. You know, there's a website you should see." But um, she was just like, "Okay, you know, she's already one of the nice ones that doesn't." Uh, has, you know, I've never seen you know, like really yell at a kid or or grab a kid or do anything like that. So she was like okay with it, and I guess it made her understand why I never wanted to use like punishment or discipline. But it still it doesn't really like help me that much. Um, so I don't even use the other thing was they tried to get me. This is early on too. They tried to get me really really to use like a reward system. 
And this is probably the most popular article that I wrote on Chinarchy was uh, three things I thought was wrong with the reward system, most of which I got from PET, uh, parent of fitness training, which, you know, just stuff like, you know, like giving them stickers for listening. And it's just like this fake, like not a real respect back and forth. Uh, like, you know, just sit and do what you're told and I'll give you this prize. I'll give you this sticker, this piece of candy. And it works for like a minute, but then you always have to keep, you never build the mutual like respect relationship, which is what you, the only thing that will actually work. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't remember what my other reason was for why that was bad, but it's, oh, I remember, yeah, it was because it's uh, rewards and punishments. Uh, like they want you to use star charts and take away stars when the kids don't listen or talk during class. Really, it's like it's not their responsibility to be listening or paying attention during class. And uh, all the assistants, I mean, everybody, like, you know, all of schools and every authority figure thinks that it is the kid's responsibility and gets mad at them. Like, why aren't you giving me the respect I deserve? But if my lesson is boring and kids, you know, or if I'm teaching them about Australian flags and they're bored, how is that their fault at all? You know, it's either my fault and I need to come up with a more fun lesson or the administrator's fault for picking, you know, a stupid curriculum. Yeah. It really is shocking when you see just how non-child centric education is. Yeah. Yeah. How, yeah. If you, so if you punish the kids for not paying attention to terrible, boring lessons or terrible, boring teachers, how will terrible, boring lessons or terrible, boring teachers, boring teachers ever change? Like, how would that ever improve? Because you're blaming the kids for the result of the lesson. I, I would come up with a game like I had of Jeopardy that they love and they're all engaged and they all listen and uh, you know, and so I, I would do Jeopardy one day and I do some other game the next day and the next day they would be, you know, quote unquote misbehaving and you know, fighting or not talking and or talking and not listening and all this stuff. And then, you know, it seemed absurd to reward them for being genuinely interested one day in my lesson and then being genuinely bored the next day in my lesson when the only thing that changed was my lesson. So isn't it my fault? Um, Oh, you're there. You, you're there to teach a variety of subjects, not just English, right? Yeah. Well, it's like they say that to the parents, especially, but really, it's like it's just teaching English. But then they try and have you like, okay, today do something related to food. Today do something related to science, and and usually it's just like teach them the words associated with that, like teach them a bunch of English words for food and eating and, you know, having dinner or teach them a bunch of science words. And I'm actually trying to teach them stuff. Uh, the, and this is like another thing. The administrators got mad at me this month because the headmaster and the senior consultant, I did air quotes for that because I don't know what senior consultant means, but she gets to bitch at me uh, when she thinks I'm doing things wrong. Uh, complained to me and my assistants that teaching the kids the difference between 3D objects and 2D objects was too hard. And they're five, and I don't think it was too hard. And then so it came to my end of Yeah, it's, April isn't the question review. whether the kids think it's too hard, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, the only way to know anyway is to try to teach them that. Uh, so it came to, but it came to my end of April review and like every kid, even the ones that like suck at English, uh, could tell the difference between 2D shapes and 3D shapes. And I could show them a 2D shape and be like, what's the 3D version of the rectangle? And he'd be like, box. And I'd show them a sphere and be like, what's the 2D version? And he'd say circle. That's fantastic. I thought you would do it with Avatar and 3D goggles. So but they totally got it. And then, okay. you know, she, I drew cool 3D shapes in Photoshop and made flashcards out of them. And, uh, and are you teaching them? I mean, where uh, are they in terms of the alphabet and all that kind of stuff? I'm not sure exactly where five-year-olds are. Uh, certainly, in China. <laughs> okay, this is gonna uh, this is gonna lead to another rant. This is even. I realized that since getting here, this is how kids in the U.S. are being taught English too. It's called uh, sight word or look. Uh, yeah, I thought say, that would be mostly discredited because it's just terrible for children's learning. It's the whole word, right? You, you don't learn the components of the word. Language into like a, a character-based language, like a symbolic language instead of a phonetic because you just... No worries, keep going. Again. Was it? I just you heard the stuff about sight word, right? I think I just yeah, yeah. That's that. That you were just starting. You said this is how the kids in the states are being uh, are being uh, taught as well. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's developed because it's an easier way to learn a language as a second language when you're mostly just going to be speaking. But the, I mean, if they're kids, language. Uh, it's a terrible way. It's it because it turns the language into uh, like a symbol-based, character-based language where you see the word. I can't remember what I just said. Computer. You see the word computer, and you just remember that it's like a symbol. And when I see that symbol, say computer, and I know that it means computer. How like Chinese characters work, but in the Latin languages, you know, we have you know, a word is actually. A set of instructions about what sounds to make, right? Like C makes the sound up. Obviously, you know this, but they're not taught like any phonetics at all. Of one kid that knew the phonetic alphabet, they learned home, and that should be like the. I mean, when when you learn, you should learn the alphabet, and then you should learn the phonetic alphabet at like you know what, two years old, three years old, and they're five, and a lot of them can speak English pretty well. And if I write a word they haven't seen already, they have no idea how to sound it out. They just can't do it. Which is bizarre because, like, yeah, when you get a brain like a computer, it's completely anti-conceptual. Right. Right. You only know what's already been programmed into you. Uh, yeah, it's it's messed up. And uh, Brett Vinot, the, the school sucks guy, actually did a, sh a show that was kind of about this and the guy he was interviewing talked about how that's kind of like intentionally done to make like kind of drone worker types, you know, a, like a more working class type of citizen education is intentionally non-conceptual, just kind of like, you know, you get what information is fed into you and that's what you know. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's not, I don't think it's like, a, you know, a conspiracy. But I think it does benefit, you know, people in power to not have 
people really understand how to yeah they need to understand written instructions but they don't you don't actually want them to compete with you for management jobs yeah right exactly i mean the the kids that are well off that are rich are going to learn anyway and you know the dumb poor working class kids are going to get enough to get by and that's it which is exactly kind of like what you have not even enough to get by in america but that's why you have I, I, this has to be the reason why there's like, you know, 50% or more like illiteracy rate or whatever it is for graduation now from high school. Just these huge numbers. And that if you teach a phonetic alphabet, I think that's it. Like, you know how to read after that. Even if you don't know what a word means, you can sound it out. And when uh, you can spell words. And so, and how long does that take? I mean, you know, a few months, maybe six months. Can it even take that long to teach a kid the phonetic alphabet? And they're in, you know, they're going to be in, they're in school. For like, you can do it in about a hundred hours max. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's really annoying. I've been trying to teach them phonetics, but it's hard because I have, it's, I actually went to the headmaster and the senior consultant and told them that it's kind of, even the even the native English speakers, I have a couple kids whose parents are from the states, and one one kid whose parents are from Australia. They uh, even they don't really know any phonetics. So, I went to the headmaster and kind of tried to explain it to them, or to her, and she was just kind of like, "Okay, like I think that's good if you can do that, whatever." So, I try to do it. I try to squeeze it in around the other things that I'm like forced to do. But yeah, it's. Uh, it's weird. And it's really, I don't know. But I don't even know how that came up. Did you? What it, yeah, what, we, were just, <laughs> we were just talking about uh, that kind of instruction. And, and how, how are you perceived or related to, I guess, as a, a foreign big nose white devil um, in, uh, uh, you know, from people in China? What's their, what's their reaction to you? It's actually, uh, it's not like Europe where you kind of, you know, looked at with disdain. As in Prague, for you know, I went to Prague two summers in a row, and there's kind of like this typical urine, euro, urine, typical euro. <laughs> there's a typical urine smell. Uh, there's a typical like euro, like oh, you know, you must have voted for Bush. You're from America, blah blah blah. But the Chinese are kind of like, you know, they're more like curious into you. They like it when you speak Chinese when when you speak a few words of Chinese, and. They're pretty friendly, I guess, but they're not, I don't know, they're not, I've never gotten like hate from anybody. Um, sometimes it's like weirdo, weirdo curiosity of like just staring at you because I'm 6'2 and, you know, have like a brow and round eyes. But I thought the, the girls that we hang out with, I guess, get it way worse uh, you know, if you're like a blonde, a tall blonde girl, it's like you're like this miracle that's appeared in this sea of, you know, black hair and five, five people. But uh, yeah, like Nash was talking about how because he's, you know, super tall with like this huge head of curly hair. People kept coming up and taking pictures with him. That, ha that hasn't happened to me yet, but he was also not in Beijing, which is kind of used to foreigners. But I'm received pretty well. The, the kids' parents 
uh, I've met, they all really like me because I don't know. I don't, I, I mean, most of them can't even speak English, so I don't know if it's because of my personality or not when they meet me, but it's definitely has to do with their kids coming home and telling them that they had fun and that I was nice. And one of them wrote me this note that it was, it was like, Alice came home today and she said that during class, all the kids, the kids got to sit on tables. And I just wanted to tell you that I think it's really cool how you're trying non-traditional education and I'm really excited for the things that she's learning. And I was just like, I never, I mean, I never let, like, I think it was just, they probably were sitting on tables and I didn't yell at them or care. So it was like, oh, wow. You know, look at all the things we look at non-traditional education. Right, uh, right. But it's good because the parents seem to really like me. And that's good because it means that I can kind of push harder against the things that the headmaster and the senior consultant tell me because they don't want to fire me if the parents like me because that's way worse than... And is it, sorry, like I, I don't even thing. know the environment. Is it kind of market-driven? Like, is it a more of a private school? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, there's Apparently, there's some public schools. This is below primary school, though. So they're all like five and under. So I guess that is where there's a big market of of like kindergartens, especially for kids to learn English at, because parents want to, well, half of it is like daycare kind of, because all these parents work. So it's like daycare plus there'll be foreigners who can speak English to your kids. So it, it is market, but it's like, it's the kind of like skewed market situation where the consumers aren't the one paying because the consumers are the kids. So Every, a lot of it is just about like looking good for the parents and, you know, doing these things that they can write in reports to the parents that look like it's really great. Like, you know, we're learning about all the different countries of the world this month. And then really it's just, you know, showing pictures of national birds to their kids. So it is market, but, you know, it's not obviously not driven by what the kids want. I mean, I guess it is in the degree that the kids like me, so they'll go home and tell their parents that I'm a good teacher. But the schools in general, plus it's Chinese markets, which are like, I don't know. It's like, you know, knockoff driven and imitation is like the highest, the highest thing that you can do. And, and everything, all these Chinese businesses seem like that. Like you talk to people that are Chinese that are working for any company. And it's kind of like, nobody knows really what they're doing. Everything's moving so fast. They're kind of just flying by the seat of their pants. And I think in America, like a, a, a guy starting a business like that would probably be more upfront and honest about it because he couldn't get away with pretending like, you know, his business was really great and he could do anything, handle any problem, but they never want to do that. Like the smallest, most, you know, ass backwards business there's no problems they can handle any job and uh, the school is whenever you know a parent asks for anything anything then, well, you know we can we can teach them this we can put up this display or we can put on a play you know in a week and then they go that they come to us teachers and we're like, there's no way we can do that. Why didn't you, why did you tell them that? 
Oh, because we didn't want to say no. But, uh, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. The Chinese market is, is weird if, especially because the government has, this is, you know, not really related to teaching at all, but the way, the way it's set up with like so many rules and regulations and all that stuff is like, you have to break some, you have to break them and you have to like bribe people and have connections, have guanxi. Guanxi is like, uh, it's like ha having like, you know, inside routes and inside connections. And guanxi is like the lubricant for everything. You have to have like inside connections in the government or in this office or in this thing to get like the licenses, to get whatever you need done. And it usually involves, you know, if not outright bribes like favors, which means that whenever you do something that the government doesn't like, they don't really even have to dig up something you've done wrong because they can just look at like, you know, this laundry list of regulations and, you know, licenses or whatever that you've skirted because you've used, you know, your, your pull, your political power. And they can just be like, oh, well, you violated all these things. So we're shutting you down. It's not because of, of you know, the news story you ran. It's right. Because... So everybody's always outside the law to get anything done. And therefore, it's a self-perpetuating bribocracy. Right, right. And it's and it gives them excuse to, you know, shut anyone down at any time because they broke the law. And what would you say the general mood of the people or the culture is like? Um, I don't know. It's it, it's different based it, every I mean, this is probably obvious, but the different age groups are are way different. Uh, the old people are kind of just like hanging out. I don't know if it's, if it's always that way, but like I, I ride a bike to work, which is terrifying, by the way, because the traffic in Beijing is psychotic. But there's just old people, you know, like all the parks are full of old people. Uh, they have like playgrounds that are just for old people. And they're just like turning like these big wheels or like walking on these really slow, like bicycle ski machine things. And just like all day, the old people are just kind of like out there chilling, just exercising really slowly. Um, and I went to a park and there was like a old person sword club. And there was just all these old people slowly waving around swords in like, you know, huge loopy patterns as like some form of exercise or something. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's going on with them, but, um, the, uh, the younger ones, I think are more on top of like Western culture. They, they're much more like promiscuous, I guess. They like go on dates. They don't just get like married right away. They, uh, they're into like money and you know, want to get rich and want to like, you know, go, go to the West is the sense I get from a lot of people uh, toward the government. It's really weird. Um, I don't know how the part gets so much like mythology on its side so quickly. Uh, and so like, uh, no, one. it's like indifference. It's like an indifference mythology of like, like 1984 style, like the party is always here. The party has always been, the party will always be. Like when I talk to people, even ones like the Chinese people I really like and I'm friends with, they'll kind of like the most you'll get out of them is like, I don't know what I think about the party. I know I don't have a choice. 
And I'd be like, yeah, don't you think that's wrong that you don't have a choice? Um, but it's kind of like, there's nothing we can do about it. And, you know, that's just the way it is. And, you know, in America, that's stupid enough because, you know, the country's only 200 years old. But I want to be like, that's, that's not just the way it is. It's only been this way since like the 30s, the, the 40s. It isn't, it's not the way it has to be. Um, your grandparents grew up when there was no party, some of them. So I don't get, I don't really get how they did that. Uh, you know, I guess it probably has something to do with public schools or something, but uh, yeah, I can't even, and stuff like Mal, I, I, I've given up the first few weeks here. I was like, you know, every Chinese person I met that was like a young person that was cool that, you know, I'd meet at a bar, social setting, social, social setting. I'd want to talk to them about like, what do they think about Mao? Because it's so weird when you think about uh, he's on every bill. It's not like, I don't know, you know, how like the Germans, I, I mean, I don't think that they're right to be ashamed by, by Hitler because they had nothing to do with it, like current Germans. But they have like that shame of like, you know, we don't want to, we don't really want to talk about that. But Mao is like, you know, pictures all over the place. He's on the dollar. He's, you know, he's in every book. They went through a slideshow the other day at school. And uh, this is part of like Chinese culture. And they got to like this big picture of Mao. And everybody like started clapping. And I just, I didn't even react. I was just like, I just looked around like, did that just happen? Uh I don't know. I don't know why that that's so like strong. Like how Mao got like such a so fast got such a like godlike status or whatever it is. Like a unquestioned. You know, if, I guess the party is like you know because they did all the economic reforms, but like the party line is still like there were excesses when it comes to Mao. There were some excesses, but it was what needed to happen. Which, you know, I don't know. I don't know why it's so it's so weird to me that people buy it. Because even even in the states, there's at least like there's a, there's at least like a, a pretend encouragement to to like question authority or to you know go against social norms. To you can find you know currents of you know counterculture that are encouraged especially in college, right? Like that's every professor thinks they're against culture or they're, you know, they're, you know, they're, they challenge American culture and typical ways of thinking and blah, 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 even though they don't. But I, I don't get that sense at all. Like, you know, culture is not meant to be challenged. Uh, the, and tradition is not meant to be challenged. Uh, I don't know, I, because even Mao's thing was even like, you know, destroy old culture. So I don't understand how he like managed to do that and then get himself as part of the culture that, you know, is sacred. But, uh, you know, that's the magic of statism, I guess. Um, I don't know. I just I just rambled on Mao for like 10 minutes. <laughs> but in some ways, it's uh I mean, at least they say there were some excesses. Most Americans won't even say that about the founding fathers who supported slavery and one who raped slaves. You know, in a sense, they're further ahead than most Americans. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's it is true. But I can't, I always attributed that to like, you know, we had 200 years of like mythologizing them. And I just don't understand how he pulled it off in, you know, like, what, 40 years? I don't know, 30 years. But. Uh, yeah, it's it's weird. And and the stuff like. They're they're like the Onion had this great article a few weeks ago about uh, like economists or whoever somebody somebody predicts that in the next ten years China will replace America as the world's biggest asshole <laughs> and I, you definitely I definitely get that sense from like they 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 think that America that China is like great and is you know is the the place to be the way that Americans think about America America. Uh, totally different from the way that uh, like the Czechs were in Prague or even British people kind of aren't that way at least the young ones I met um, but they're definitely like they're kind of like you know the Americans of the East who are into you know how great China is and China's you know China should be in charge of the world and who is this country for messing with this and they have so much like uh, like in-group out-group like they hate the Japanese because of the rape of Nanjing, like hate, hate the Japanese. Um, even even younger people like will say things like that are like pretty racist about Japanese people. Like, uh, you know, oh, someone was rude to me in a bar. I'm pretty sure he was Japanese, so it makes sense. He's from an evil country. You're like, what did you just say? <laughs> but where I what where I was going with this um, yeah, I guess <laughs> I, I think you're saying there's just not a lot of cultural self-criticism which is sort of axiomatic and I think you can see when the adults say that um, uh, when adults say they don't miss choice I think you can see where that comes from with the five-year-olds right yeah yeah I think it's yeah they don't even the, t the teenagers, like I talk to them also about censorship and stuff like that. And they just are kind of like, you know, oh, we don't care. We can, we can use Baidu to search instead of Google. We can use, uh, like Ren Ren and whatever the, the Chinese versions of MySpace. We don't need MySpace or Facebook. Uh, we have, you know, YouTube is blocked. Facebook is blocked. All blocker websites are blocked. Um, let's see. A lot of stuff it is, you know, any Wikipedia articles that say something that the party doesn't want, but they're kind of just like, uh, you know, there's other ways around it. It's just like, oh, don't you think it's wrong? Uh, you don't know what you're missing out with on Facebook. This is what freedom's all about. But, but yeah, they're kind of like, yeah, we don't really need it. It's not that big of a deal. So, I don't know how that is going to change. I mean, I guess the same way everything is, they're going to have to start treating their kids better. But there is, yeah, there is a, a definite, a stronger like cultural mythology that's sitting on everyone than, than in the West. And stuff, I, I stuff with family too, uh, like filial filial piety and. Uh, honors and that stuff is like way stronger here than in the west uh, 
there's a lot of there's a lot of kids a lot of got people my age and even a little bit older that like still still live with their parents uh chinese girls that can't wait to get married and move in with their husband's mother and father with him like it'll be so much fun blah 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 and i'm like sounds like the worst thing i've ever heard of but uh right yeah so <clears throat> i don't know man it kind of makes you pessimistic about the whole you know the whole philo philosophical revolution happening over here anytime soon well, yeah, and I think that's reasonable to be pessimistic about that. That's why the changes that you're doing over there uh, is part of how the world gets saved. You know, I think you're doing, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying you're doing it for like selfless reasons or anything, but what you are able to do is, um, uh, is uh, really give them some options that they, they otherwise would never have encountered. And that option, those options will spread within their own community, among their circle of friends, and perhaps their family. It will certainly spread to their own kids or philosophical parenting one where you talked about Izzy not like laying still when you were changing her and you just wanted to like just like, like hold be like, like that a temptation of authority I just like feel it like you know like crawling like icy fingers up my neck I just want to like yell and clap my hands and be like everyone sit down right now yeah it's I like turning off really loud static in your brain right yeah, yeah, it's just, uh, and you know it'll work, and uh, I mean, obviously it doesn't work in the long run, because you just have to keep you know, being more and more authoritarian, but I've definitely felt that temptation many times, and usually I will just like walk out of the room or go, but especially with, uh, I don't know, I have... <laughs> Uh, I like. I definitely have respect for, uh, you know, you obviously, but you know anybody that raises it. And you know, there's some ways that obviously I'm not. There's some. There's ways it's better and it's worse. I think what I'm doing than having a kid enough that I don't, don't have to like you know feed them and do all the stuff that you're doing, but some of the stuff that is, I am happy I will never have to deal with when I have my own kid. Well, and, and it's tougher. I mean, what you're doing with, you said, I think it was 17 or 19 five-year-olds in a foreign culture, when you have all that strain and stress and it's your job, it's a whole lot different when you have one or two kids at home uh, in your own culture, so to speak, with your own language, without the pressure of a career and approval from your boss. And right. So what you're doing is kind of jumping in the deep end. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's, it's good because the all of the things that are harder about it is what are kind of it's kind of like patience training when i have my own kid or you know in however many years it'll seem so much easier especially because the most frustrating thing i think uh is when these kids kind of like act like their parents because they i mean since they are five it's not like you know if having a classroom full of isabella's by the time i'm five or by the time five would probably be like the best thing but they all like, you know, are going home to all different kinds of parents and are spending the rest of the, you know, their time around adults that don't treat them the way I want them to be treated. And so having to do when the kids will say something that is totally like not a five-year-old saying it to me, like, I'm trying to think of one of this, uh, like I'm reading, a, I'm, okay, this happened like the first week, uh, this 
this girl, Ava, she's, uh, her dad is from New Jersey and her mom's Chinese. And she's like, like blonde. She's like the cutest, nicest little thing. She's like a tomboy, total tomboy, but she's so, she's awesome. And, uh, but we're like reading a book one time and I was like showing different pictures and I was talking to the Chinese kids and like pointing out things in the pictures and saying the English words for them. And she was sitting in the back and she just like snapped, like, can we just stop looking at the book so we can finish it? Like, it was like, I didn't even say anything. <laughs> it was totally like her mom saying it through her or, you know, oh, yeah, a parent sure. saying it through her. And uh, so that's the stuff that, you know, I'll never have to deal with with my own kid. But that it's just like, oh, like, I don't, you know. Afterward, I, I like when it happened, I was shocked. Then I was annoyed at her for doing it. And then afterwards, when I thought about it, I never, I didn't say anything else to her about it. But when I thought about it, I was like, that was her, not her personality at all. And, and uh, yeah, it's amazing how quickly and kind of efficiently these, these voices are internalized and reproduced, right? Yeah, I was actually, I was just going to say that I think by, by like five, I think so much of the personality is probably like set in stone. And uh, I mean, you probably see that after like a year, like imagine how she'll be when she's five. So like, she'll be like, you know, the person that she'll probably be when she's like 40. And uh, so you know, it kind of sucks because the kids that, you know, bad parents are kind of like, they're that, they have that already as part of their personality by the time they're five. And I mean, I don't know. It's nice, I guess, if you're raising them well, because then, you know, by four or five, you can be, I mean, I don't know, person as it will be, but that kind of, it sucks, I guess, when when the parents aren't very good, but, uh, I mean, that's that's the torturous thing, right, is that if we could get just one generation of rational, peaceful, healthy kids, the world would be war-free, state-free, religion-free, and would never change back because... Yeah, know. and you don't, I, I don't even think you need 30 years of it. Like, it's not like you need to be... To, oh, five to years. Five years that. of peaceful parenting for, yeah, for the next yeah. cohort of kids would completely change the right. world. Uh, and, and it would never revert back to the living hell that it is in so many ways today. That's what's so amazing. We are always only five years away from a peaceful world. And you could even say three. Three uh, is, is where 70 or 80% of the personality is, is stabilized. Uh, but, but of course, you might as well say uh, if, you know, uh, if random asteroids come down and blow up all the Capitol buildings and the churches, it would be considered a sign that we should get rid of them. And every, the odds are the same, right? Right. Uh, but that was actually what I was trying to say when I was trying to say, uh, you said it much better, but when I was saying it was, it's kind of good because if you think uh, about parenting, it's like, you know, you have, you will have put in the the work that's important in, but um, yeah, it's, but it sucks when it's not good parenting because some of them, some, I mean, the kids, God, five, I never thought that a five-year-old could, like, do things that are so, like, I don't know, manipulative, Polish, or, and they do it sometimes, and not, usually not to me, but, like, to each other, and, 
uh, it's, I mean, it, it just has to be, there's no other place it could have come from than their parents. So, uh, and, oh, this reminds me of another thing. If you're, I know this is just me talking, but no, please go okay ahead. Uh, and I wrote a post about this look like the roots of statism in kids or why kids would accept, uh, you know, violent leaders basically. And one of the things that I realized pretty quickly was that they authority figures resolve every conflict, any conflict that happens. It is the authority figures that resolve it, no matter who it's between. Um, and like the littlest, you know, stupidest things. And, and the kids are trained to expect that and to go to authority figures to solve any conflict that happens. So uh, one of, you know, during the first week or something, this kid, Ethan, came up to me and he was like, he was like, Austin took my pencil. And I was like, oh, okay. What do you, what, what do you, uh, what can I help you with? Kind of, I don't remember exactly what I said. And he was like, oh, well, I want you to go, yeah, I want you to give him a, a, a sad face. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be doing sad faces. That's pretty the cool. Last what do you mean? I've never heard that before as a solution. Where do you think that comes from? What as a solution? Make a sad face. Oh, that was the that was like the rewards punishment system the old uh, the old teacher had. It meant like draw a sad face next to his name. Oh, so oh, oh, okay. It was like a you know a, dem a demarcation or whatever a, de uh, a demerit. Um, no, he was told Ethan is totally into appealing to authority figures to solve his problem, like most of the kids are. But he is really he gets in so much trouble because he does that over and over again. He'll like start a fight and go to the authority figure. Get, you know, whoever get them off, and then the other kid will just get, you know, it doesn't actually resolve the conflict. It just makes the other kid more pissed at him because that kid got in trouble because Ethan was the first one to run to the authority figure. Uh, so that was, that was what he did. Like, you know, my first week he came and he's like, oh, Austin took my pencil. And I was like, oh, what do you want me to do? And he's like, I want you to give him a sad face. And I was like, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. I'll go talk. Will you beat him up? It's like, no. And he's like, why not? And I was like, he didn't take my pencil. And he just kind of like did like this puppy dog head tilt at me like, what? You are a broken authority um, robot that I cannot use. I must find another one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that happened. Uh, that ha and that's happened to times where, it, including with the rewards, like, oh, Mark, Mark is, was the teacher before me. Mark used to, the first few weeks, I had to deal with this constantly. Mark used to do this, Mark used to do that. You know, Mark used to give us stars next to our name during class if we were quiet and behaved. And then if we got three stars, we got a piece of candy. And I was like, well, what if I don't give you guys stars, but you just behave during class? And then they were all just like tilted their head like, what are you talking about? I have you're, a piece of candy called happiness. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the, uh, the, uh, the conflict resolution thing is like anytime, anytime anything happens, one kid takes another kid's marker, one kid, you know, pushes another kid, or there's any kind of disagreement, the teachers just swoop in and, oh, who did it first? Who did this? Who did that? Okay. You go over here, you go over here, you know, apologize, shake hands, which is, you know, not resolution at all. And the kids are never allowed to work it out on their own. And so they just get trained, you know, 
eight hours a day of anytime I have an issue or there's a conflict, we go to the, you know, the ruler they decide for us. Right. Well, imagine, I mean, of course, if the kids could, in a sense, teach themselves, which obviously they can, they need some supervision, but if the kids could teach themselves and resolve their own conflicts, why would they need the teacher, so to speak, right? Well, why would we need the state? There has to be this perception that people are unable to resolve their conflicts, which is why we need a government. And this is trained very early. Right, exactly what, what I wrote in the post was that, you know, why did everybody, you know, everybody accepts that you need this violent authority figure to step in and solve, you know, human social problems. And part of it has got to be that every single day of school, anytime you had a social problem, there was an authority figure that stepped in and resolved it. And, you know, if you, you and the, the, like I said before, you want to be the first, you want to be the one that appeals the authority figure because you're most likely to come out on top. So there's like so much negative incentive to actually resolve the conflict with the person you have the conflict with. It's like a race, a race to, you know, have a conflict and a race to get the authority figure to solve it on your behalf, which is, you know, interest groups, which it's, it's all, it's, it is statism. And, uh, and how do you feel, so that uh, was, sorry, just to interrupt, I mean, how, this is the confirmation, of course, of the theories that we've talked about at FDR for quite some time, and I think are very explicit and detailed. A confirmation. How does that? How do you feel about that? I mean, to me, it's very interesting, and it's like the last thing you want is for kids to be harmed. But in a sense, it's better than the theory being false because this is the last and best hope we have to end the state in the long run. But how do you feel about all of this confirmation? Uh, I mean, I liked it in the same way that I liked bomb in the brain for. Whereas, like, oh, that feels good. Wow, that sucks. Like, uh, it's kind of like, yeah. There was there was def, there's definitely a part of me that sees all of these things that make people totally prime candidates, data them in violence, and just being like, yeah, this is this is obviously where it all comes from. So we're on track, but you know, it also just gives you like this sinking uh, feeling of like, uh, you know. I wish that now that I saw this, I could just fix it. But it's like the seeing it, being able to identify the problem and then knowing that that's going to be the problem for so much longer, uh, I think is where the kind of depression, pessimism side comes in. It's just like, and I, I mean, I tried, it's obviously I'll try and let the kids resolve their own conflicts. And I've done the, uh, the like no lose conflict resolution sessions when I've had a chance to. Uh, that I that you know that he talks about Thomas Gordon talks about in PET with the kids, and it usually goes pretty well, but it's like you know me doing it one time out of one conflict in one day. Uh, you know, you just have a feeling of like you know this is a drop in the bucket, gonna do so little. So that's not that good of a feeling, but yeah, it's nice. To, it's nice to have the confirmation. I don't know. Was that, is that what you were looking for? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I'm just curious because, I mean, obviously you've invested a fair amount in philosophy and this is the prediction and I think you have the confirmation. I mean, it's, it's a terrible thing to be right, right? That's, that's the weird thing about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, it's like you talked about in uh, the war, I think, you know, like the, the person, you know, it's getting, getting confirmation that smoking causes cancer. I mean, it's good because then you know how to prevent it and then, you know, you're right, you know how to, you know how to fix it. But 
you also have all these people that are have cancer and are going to keep having cancer. So, yeah. Um, now I'm I sorry. Have... I think we've we've been holding off uh, doing Izzy's uh, videos. Uh, music, so I think we're going to have to finally give her a shot to enjoy her music. Oh, but, uh, that's totally fine. I'm sorry. No, I no, don't up, apologize. So. I really, I mean, okay. I'd, I'd love to keep talking, but uh, I do want to make sure that she gets the chance to to sing along with the Wiggles. Um, but uh, yeah, listen, thanks so much. I'd, I'd love to, I'll send you a copy of this. I'd love to post it because, I mean, it really is fascinating to to hear what's going on, but but have a listen to it first and let me know what you think. But uh, yeah, let's try and make this uh, semi-regular sure. again because it's really fascinating. Yeah, I'm I'm totally fine with that as long as we can keep uh, this time is probably the best time for yeah, me. Yeah, we can certainly aim for this uh, as, as best but... we can. Okay. All right. Well, All thanks, right. Will. Listen, thanks. Take care and thanks so much for the update. And uh, listen, you're doing fantastic, fantastic work over there. You're going to say bye-bye, uh, <laughs> Am I supposed to say bye-bye? Yeah, she's saying bye-bye. I don't know if you can do that. <laughs> you're going to say bye-bye. Come. Say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye, Will. That was my. Uh, bye bye, guys. Married too. So take care, Will. Thanks a lot. Bye. Have a good day.